I know why you guys are all really here. Because Kristen's soup on really cold weather saves lives. Nothing better. Good evening. It's so good to see everybody. We've got a couple new faces, so um, I'll pray. I'll read Psalm 133. We are jumping back into our Westminster Confession of Faith study, so that'll be really cool. We're going to do chapter 8, and then we're going to sing. We're going to sing a sea shanty. We're going to sing a new hymn to the outpost, though Kristen... We think we've sung it here before, and then we'll sing maybe the Son of God Goes Forth to War or something great. And then we've got tons of food and tons of drink, and we'll stay super warm. There's cider, and we'll get the brandy out, and you guys know how it rolls. So let me pray, and we'll dive in. Father, we're so incredibly grateful for you on this cold evening. We're grateful to be gathered together here um, in worship of you and to glorify you. And so bless us tonight, Lord. Um, Safe journeys home for everybody who's traveling back home. And keep us warm, not just warm physically, but warm with the love that we know that we only receive from you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 133, which is not where I'm at. Psalm 119, though. That one's a little longer. Longest psalm, actually. Okay, Psalm 133. This is the word of the Lord. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, Running down on the collar of his robes, it is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, Thanks be to God indeed. It, I am like super impressed. We, we do like a, a little game in the daytime, like who do we know who's coming for sure? And like how many people do we think? Because you're kind of ballparking food-ish. And I was like, I don't know. It's like negative six degrees outside. That's why I know you're coming for the soup. I know this. But I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you guys made the journey because it is a super, super, super cold night. But I'm excited to get back into our study of the Westminster Confession of Faith. As you guys know, we're a confessional church, and we affirm the Westminster Confession of Faith. We take a few exceptions, and we'll talk about those later. But this is one of the confessions that we affirm. It's not canon. It's not scripture, right? But it is an explanation of what we believe. And I think one of the reasons it's important for us to study it and why we're jumping back into this study is that it helps provide us answers and direction, right? And it always points us back to scripture. So it's pointing us back to sola scriptura, right? Uh, Scripture interpreting scripture, but it's giving us explanations and points and things for us to chew on and, and, and to understand. And so this year, I said at the beginning of the year at church that we are really we're going to focus this on every year, but we are really focusing this year on what it means to live the all of Christ for all of life, life. That's like saying ATM machine, automatic teller machine, machine. The all of Christ for life, life, right? And so we want to talk about what that looks like to live that out of our fingertips. Our faith is lived outside of our fingertips, out of our fingertips. And this is impossible to do without biblical literacy. That's just the reality. If you, if you, don't know what the Bible says, you can't live how the Bible tells you to live. And so, I say this a lot, but it is important that everybody reads Scripture. It's something you need to do. You need to take time, even if you're just reading a little bit to start, you need to take time every day to read God's Word. Um, some of us have been doing the Bible reading plan, uh, some of uh, that we do at a, chur- at a church, so we do it, we read all of the Bible in a whole school year. And then in the summer, we read the New Testament. And then back in the school year, we read all of the Bible, and in the summer, we read the New Testament. And then we do a Proverbs study on, I guess, what is it? It's June, July, and August. We read one chapter of Proverbs corresponding to the day through those summer months as well. And so some of you have told me, too, that 
you've started your own 2024 Bible reading plans. That's awesome. That's a good use of a resolution. You know how I feel about resolutions. I like Jonathan Edwards' resolutions, but um, you should do it. And there's so many tools available, and there's so many free pieces of software. Uh, we have some recommendations. I think Olive Tree is one that's free that's associated with some folks in our kind of greater church communion. But do it, and if you miss a day, then just pick back up on the next day, right? Like, give yourself a little bit of grace, but do it. Just keep reading. And so my hope is that as we study the confession and we read scripture that's associated with it, that's going to drive you to go, hey, I should read my Bible more. I should read my Bible more. So it's going to grow into your literacy. I feel bad. Like, I don't know what happened. There's just, it was a, I don't think it's personal. I mean, there's like four seats here in the front. <laughs> all the kids sit in the back of the class. That's all right. You know, you know why the kids sit in the back of the class. Yeah, the pastor spits a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So part of, part of growing in the literacy of, oh, you're coming back. That's good. See, we're bringing everybody back, bringing the band back. Is this gives us fluency in our faith, which is what allows us to go live it out, right? So that Christ and our faith in Jesus impacts every aspect of our lives. Um, it's all of Christ for all of life. And while I remember, I know I've said this to most of you as you walked in, there is a petition. It's an uh, uh, abortion abolishment bill. It's, so there's a petition there. If you're a registered voter in Colorado, we would love your signature on that. Um, the churches locally associated with us, we're all spreading this petition to help protect the lives of all children. So let's read uh, Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 8. It's titled, Christ the Mediator. And it says, It pleased God in His eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus, His only begotten Son, to be the mediator between God and man, the prophet, priest, and king, the head and savior of the church, the heir of all things, and judge of the world, unto whom he did for all eternity give a people to be a seed, and to be by him in time redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. The Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, being very and eternal God, of one substance and equal with the Father, did, when the fullness of time was come, take upon him man's nature, with all essential properties and common infirmities thereof, yet without sin, being conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary of her substance, that the two whole, perfect, distinct natures, the Godhead and the manhood, were inseparably joined together in one person, without conversion, composition, or confusion, which person is very God and very man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man. The Lord Jesus in His human nature, thus united the divine, was sanctified and anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure, having in Him all treasures of wisdom and knowledge, in whom it pleased the Father that all fullness should dwell. To the end, that being holy, harmless, undefiled, and full of grace and truth, He might be thoroughly furnished to execute the office of a mediator and surety, which office He took not unto Himself, but was thereunto called by His Father, who put all power and judgment into his hand and gave him commandment to execute the same. The office of the Lord Jesus did most willingly undertake, which that he might discharge, he was made under the law and did perfectly fulfill it, a, 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 let's see, a, endured most grievous torments, and immediately his soul, it like copied the letters, the subtexts that reference down to the footnotes. So there's like an E in places there shouldn't be an E, so I apologize. Uh, most painful sufferings in his body was crucified, died, and was buried, and remained under the power of death, yet saw no corruption. On the third day he rose from the dead with the same body in which he suffered, with which he also ascended into heaven, and there sitteth at the right hand of his Father, making intercession, and shall return to judge men and angels at the end of the world. The Lord Jesus, by his perfect obedience and sacrifice of himself, 
which he through the eternal spirit once offered unto God, hath fully satisfied the justice of his Father and purchased not only reconciliation, but an everlasting inheritance in the kingdom of heaven. We're going to talk more about that tomorrow. For all those whom the Father hath given unto him. Although the work of redemption was not actually wrought by Christ till after his incarnation, his incarnation, yet the virtue, efficacy, and the benefits thereof were communicated unto the elect in all ages successively from the beginning of the world, in and by those promises, types, and sacrifices, wherein he was revealed and signified to be the seed of the woman, which should bruise the serpent's head, and the lamb slain from the beginning of the world, being yesterday and today the same and forever." Christ, in the work of mediation, acteth according to both natures, by each nature doing that which is proper to itself. Yet, by reason of the unity of the person, that which is proper to one nature is in Scripture attributed to the person denominated by the other nature. To all those for whom Christ hath purchased redemption, he doth certainly and effectively apply and communicate the same, making intercession for them and revealing unto them in and by the word, the mysteries of salvation, effectively persuading them by His Spirit to believe and obey, and governing their hearts by His word and Spirit, overcoming all their enemies by His almighty power and wisdom, in such a manner and ways are the most uh, consonant to His wonderful and unsearchable dispensation. We're going to go by that line by line now. You guys ready? Just kidding. I realize that there's a lot in there. There's a lot in chapter 8 about Christ the mediator. But, but what it's focused about is that Jesus Christ is the mediator between man and God. That Jesus alone is the mediator between man and God. And, and certain traditions make heretical claims that man, that there's another man in between. He sometimes has a funny hat. Sorry, Rick. Um, but but that they, we believe that there's a mediator that needs to be between man and God, and there's not. It's only Jesus Christ, Right? We don't need man to access God. We need faith in Jesus. And so you would see this in a tradition where you confess sins to a person and the person absolves you of the sins, whereas we confess sins to Jesus Christ. When I provide the absolution of, of your sins, it's Jesus. I'm sharing Jesus' words, not Pastor Craig's words, right? I'm not cleansing of your sins. I'm reciting the words of Jesus Christ. So, what we see is that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son, and He's the mediator solely between God and man. And because of that, He is the head and Savior of the church. And, and, and this is so important, because it is only through Jesus that somebody can be justified, sanctified, and glorified before God. It's like, literally, there are many binary things in life. Did you guys see what Elon Musk said on, I can't call it X, Twitter? He said that calling somebody uh, cis is uh, heterophobic. So... <laughs> So we're here to fight the heterophobia, right here, marked to this day. But it is, there are binary things in life, right? It's Jesus or it's not. There's no other choice. There's no pluralism that exists for, for, for salvation. Jesus is the only judge of the world, and so that's why we, as, as members of His church, go to spread the gospel, because it is the good news that we want to spread to the ends of the earth, Right? So then the second section we read addresses the fact that Jesus is fully man and fully God. The theological term is called the hypostatic union. What that really means is that he's both things. One wasn't greater than the other. They weren't fighting against each other. He was a real man. He was absolutely sinless. And he is also very God. Right? So he's the second person in the Trinity. He had distinct natures. These are natures we can't understand. You're not God. There are certain things that God does not make you privy to understand, like the hypostatic union, right? His incarnation is permanent. 
And so this, this, because of the permanency of it, hello, hello, um, we can't really understand it. It's, there's so many, hey, nice hat. Yeah, I like it, that's excellent. We can't understand all of these things because we're fully man. We are not privy to all of the things of God. And it's because of this, it's because of this fact that Jesus, as man, was also fully God, that he can be the final sacrifice of all mankind. This section, which was section 5. The Lord Jesus, by his perfect obedience and sacrifice of himself, which he, through the eternal spirit once offered up unto God, has fully satisfied the justice of his Father, and purchased not only reconciliation, but an everlasting inheritance in the kingdom of heaven for all those whom the Father hath given unto him. See, he had perfect obedience, he had perfect faith, and so he was the only person that could satisfy the justice required of his father. He died for our sins to set us free, to make us a new creation. But, but there's even more. Like, if that just wasn't good enough. He not only reconciled us who are, who are evil and sinning against God, but then he adopted us as his children. And he gives us an everlasting inheritance. Like, this is why we are people of hope, because we're not doing things for right now or 10 years from now or 50 years from now. We are doing things for a thousand generations. We are building an inheritance for our children's 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 children. That is an inheritance of physical things, and it is an inheritance of wisdom. And that inheritance is what is going to go out and spread the gospel and bring the good news of the world, right? Bring the good news to the world. Because we're His, and it's forever. This is forever and ever. And, and, and I think that's the important thing to remember is that Christ has always been the pathway to salvation. It has always been faith alone for God's elect. Always. And, and so I think that's a helpful thing of like, well, what happened to the people? How did the people before us who didn't know Jesus get saved? How was Abraham saved? How was Moses saved? This. Because Jesus Christ is from the beginning of time. And this is what the confession says. Although the work of redemption was not actually wrought by Christ till after his incarnation... Yet the virtue, efficacy, and the benefits thereof were communicated unto the elect in all ages, successively from the beginning of the world, in and by those promises, types, and sacrifices, wherein he was revealed and signified to be the seed of the woman, which should bruise the serpent's head, and the lamb slain from the beginning of the world, being yesterday and today the same forever and ever. Jesus is the same. He was the same at the very beginning of creation, and he is the same until the very end, right? He is, he is always. He is the same. So everybody who is a saved and elect is saved through Jesus because God's covenant extends from the beginning of time until the very end of time. Right? It's not like in little pieces. Here's a piece and here's a piece and then like we like kind of Lego the pieces together somehow but they don't really fit around and these people are still saved but not. It's, it's one covenant. It's, it's, it's one people because Christ has always been. The Trinity has always been. Christ was there at the beginning of the world. I mean, the Spirit moves upon the face. Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit moves upon the faces of the waters. The Trinity is at the very beginning of creation. And see, this is why, like, Jesus just can't just be, like, a nice guy to you. Like, ooh, yay, I picked up 12 better ways for living from Jesus. <laughs> and a great... I was trying to think, what's, like, the most... What would the most expected food at a bad church potluck be? I didn't grow up in the church. You guys, it's chili or spaghetti? You like really bland chili? Oatmeal. <laughs> oatmeal. Mmm. And look, he gave me 12, 12 steps to healthier eating and this oatmeal recipe. I'm going to bring it to the next church potluck. 
Though if Jesus gave you an oatmeal recipe, it'd be it, oatmeal recipe would be delicious. I hear his wine is to die for. Um, you, you see, <laughs> you see that that we we can't just have like nice sayings and like nice things. It, Jesus has to be more than that for this to be transforming. This is why self help doesn't work. You can get like nice little things from self help. I've talked about Atomic Habits. I really like that book. I would encourage you to read it, but it's not going to save your life. You can get some really helpful things about getting rid of old habits and doing new habits from it. But Jesus Christ is the only pathway pathway to salvation, the only pathway to salvation. You try talking here every week after week. And so this is why it's so important, right, that He is very God and also fully man. Because that way He is the perfect sacrifice to all those for whom Christ hath purchased redemption. He doth certainly and effectively apply and communicate the same making intercession for them. That's an active, that's present tense, by the way. And revealing unto them in and by the word the mysteries of salvation, effectively persuading them by his spirit to believe and obey and governing their hearts by his word and spirit, overcoming their enemies by his almighty power and wisdom in such manner and ways as are most um, consonant to his wonderful and unsearchable dispensation. You see, those who are gods, faith is revealed. Like, this isn't like secret, like Gnostic mysteries. Like, oh, I, re- I re- put my head in the hat and I read the platinum plates. No. This is the clarity and understanding of the salvation that comes only from Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. See, the aroma of the gospel is pleasing to those who the Spirit has worked in their heart. People wouldn't pick this. Like, you wouldn't sign up for this. You're like, I have to sign up for a life of accountability, and I get told I can't do things I like to do potentially, but it's going to be, you know, obviously more deep and meaningful, and it's the right way because God told me to live that way. You know, people don't... Like, that's why I really... The altar call thing, like, just raise your hand. I picked Jesus today. No. Your heart's hard. Like, you're going to pick sin. <laughs> I mean, people sin because they enjoy it, not because... Like, oh, I told you, you can't, like, force me to eat broccoli. I don't like broccoli. <laughs> but, but there's sinful things that we're drawn towards because they make us feel good. And so, so Satan, um, we were talking earlier about Satan. Like, Satan's real. And Satan doesn't come, like, pitchfork and horns and, like, a red tail. Like, he, he comes as rationalization. He's an angel of light. Well, you know, it's not that, not that big of a problem. I, mean, I was saying today at, the, at the, my lunch meeting that nobody... We had a pastor at the church we were at who, who was preparing our wedding, right? And like, nobody said, like, you shouldn't be living together. <laughs> nobody said that to us. That's crazy, right? Um, God has to open your heart first. Like, he who has ears, let him hear. And then when he does, like, you can't believe you didn't see it before. I had read the Bible when I was a kid, and I just threw it out as trash, really. I'd had some, you know, like nice moments at youth camp, but it didn't, nothing was there. It was just like nice moments. And then I was listening to death metal parked outside the Christian bookstore being a jerk face to people because that's how Satan works, right? Like, and then in my 30s, I'm reading the same book that I read when I was younger, and it, it's not the same. It's totally different. Because God's opened your eyes. And you say, I just don't understand how I didn't see this before. It's so clear. See? you're not in faith, it's an aroma of death to death. But for those in faith, it is life to life. So we know it's God that works in us first, that draws us towards Himself.
the same reason we talked about this back in Matthew chapter 13, 10 through 12. The disciples came and said to him, why, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance from the one who has not, even what has will be taken away. You see, God's elect you, God's elect you understand. You understand because he cut in your heart. Not because like you took a course on like read the Bible, be smarter about it. That's why reading the Bible and letting the Bible interpret the Bible is really important. That's why you need to be reading your Bible every day. It's the Spirit that brings us to faith. And the Spirit persuades us to believe and obey. Because we're governed by this. You see, our, <laughs> he tells us, and Scripture tells us, that our faith is so powerful, it overcomes our enemies in power and wisdom. But it has to, because how else could you love your enemy? Like, it's crazy. There's so many paradoxes in all of this. Talk about the paradox tomorrow of coming to Jesus as a child, with the humility of a child. And through that, you get incredible strength. Like, if you come as a, as a child in need and in, in dependence, through that dependence, you get incredible strength. Our faith is so strong, it overcomes our enemies in wisdom and power, and then we can love them. And see, this is why it has to be Jesus that's the mediator. It can't be us. It can't be another fallible man. Because we're all incapable. But Jesus is fully capable. And because He was fully man, He fully understands us. It's crazy. He understands all of it. He's God. I think God manifests fully as man and fully as God. Like, just, if you can't sleep and you want to stay awake longer, think about that all night tonight. It's incredible. And then what makes it so much better is you're His adopted children. We are His adopted children. But here's the thing, the actionable thing, as we're talking about as we wrap up here. We are people that are called to obey and to be governed by His statutes and His commands, believe and obey. It's such a shame that we've separated like faith from action and then under this guise of like, well, we don't want to be legalistic, you know, you can't actually tell people what to do. <laughs> yeah, you can. There's a, I'm going to give you some examples of my life in legalism and Judaism tomorrow and then what, what obeying God looks like. Obeying God is not legalism. God has told you there's a pathway that, that you are to follow and, and that is your faith being lived out in action. But, but be, it's because that Jesus is the mediator that you can go live your faith out in action that you can do it confidently in a world that's like, maybe you shouldn't do that. Love is love is love is love is love is love. Right? But we, we act and follow God's law because we know that we have already won, because we are justified, sanctified, and glorified. Because Jesus Christ paid, He, he paid the price. He, he purchased your redemption for you forever. Forever. And so the reality is, you have to do something with that right? You have to go live as a new creation. You are. I think I said this, I don't remember, a couple weeks ago, was it here? Oh, it was New Year, New Creation here. You're already a new creation, so go live it out. And that's a beautiful thing. We're talking, I was talking to your dad today at lunch about keeping short accounts, and that's what we're going to talk about with, with you guys when we work through reforming ma marriage. We're going to talk about keeping short accounts, like this ability just to, to, to live out our faith and obedience and keep the account short and forgive because we are forgiven, it's really hard sometimes, especially with people like you live with and you know really well. But you have to believe and obey because God has told you things. And He made, just like any parent tells their kids, like, I did once let the kids have ice cream for breakfast. But you shouldn't let your kids have ice cream for breakfast as a general rule. Though I don't know how much the cereal 
and the sugar content between the cereal my kids eat now versus the ice cream that I fed the kids then. I don't really know what the difference is. They both have milk, but never mind. Maybe you should let your kids eat ice cream for breakfast. Yes! <laughs> hey, uh, oh, I get to tell it one more time. I'm going to tell it. I'm so sorry. You've heard this nine times. You guys know there's Pop-Tarts, right? Have you ever thought about why there's no Mom-Tarts? It's because of the pastryarchy. Mmm. Mmm, boo. Um, but, but parents tell their kids all the time things that, that, that they can't do or they shouldn't do. You can't, you can't run in the street, right? I want to run in the street. I like running in the street, but you can't. I know what's better for you. I can see around the corner. God tells us things that, that, that we may not always like because we have sinful hearts, but they're the right way of living because they're His way of living. And that's why we come together as a, a community as we grow through this because there's always growing pains when we grow. And that's actually where, where, where the real work happens, right? Like the real growth happens when the pressure's put on. Like nobody grows when it's easy, so we grow together and we, we, we grow in accountability. That's why things like church discipline exist and, and why we, we, we hold each other accountable as members of a body of a church. It's not to make people feel bad, it's to prop each other up and to grow together in, in our faith. See, when we understand who Christ is and what He has done for us, how can we actually be anything but obedient? Like, how, how could we not? We have this mediator. We have this mediator, Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all we need is Jesus Christ, the prophet, the priest, the king, the head of the church, who's seated at the right hand of God the Father, who is king over everything. His salvation extends to all of the elect for all of time, past, present, and future. And he's the one that is making active intercession for all of us right now. I mean, it's incredible. He's already forgiven you for tomorrow. It's really incredible. And he's the one that reveals the mysteries of salvation to us, and it is through Him we can overcome all things and accomplish all things that through His power in Christ alone. There is no other choice. Amen? Okay, we're going to get up, we're going to sing really loudly, and then we're going to eat a lot. And you probably should eat a ton because it's so cold outside.